Flying Bull Productions presents Laugh, Literature, and Film. It's the good stuff. Yeah. This is episode 184 of the Laugh Podcast. We're your hosts. Over there is Ryan Bull. Howdy. You're having a lot of fun over there, aren't you? Yeah. It's kind of biting off the mic at the beginning of that. And I'm Richard Lusk. You are. This show was inspired by uh, episode 182, The Magnificent Seven, uh, which was a technically a remake of another movie called The Magnificent Seven. And then you had a Twitter battle. Or no, Facebook something? Yeah, I was talking to our announcer, uh, Mr. John Anderson. Who feels very strongly that movies shouldn't be remade. Or classics, I suppose. He said, don't remake the classics or something like that. And then you get you had a little tete-a-tete, and I thought, hmm, that's a pretty good uh, sort of concept for a podcast about movies. Yeah, yeah. And uh, also this weekend I was watching uh, Raiders, the greatest fan film ever made about some teenage boys in the 80s who remade Raiders of the Lost Ark shot by shot. So right. a little obsessed about remakes at the moment. And I just watched Westworld. Or not all of it, but I watched half of Westworld oh, on yeah, HBO. Yeah. It's a remake of a another Yule Brenner movie. So it's the remake season or something. Or remake is on the forefront of our minds. And so as a little experiment, you and I were going to kind of share what our top five remakes would look like if we... These are movies, I suppose, uh, that haven't been remade yet that you want to see. Or maybe they're remakes of remakes. Yeah, yeah. Some, some of these, the, the rabbit hole goes deep. But... um. I mean, before we get into that, did you think about any of the remakes that are already out there that you like? Remakes that I like? Like, what are the top, I don't know, two or three remakes that are out there? I mean, it's probably like Westerns, like 310 to Yuma, True Grit, stuff like that. Uh, it, it's weird, because when I was thinking about this list, a lot of genres of film, they don't do remakes so much as reimaginings. Mm-hmm. Or reboots when it comes to like uh, superhero films, mm-hmm. even some in some regards horror films, like they redid Halloween or they redid Friday the Thirteenth a couple years ago. But those were reboots of the series, not really a remake. They weren't trying to redo the, exactly the same shots from the first film. If you did uh, a Shakespeare play fifteen times, are each of those a remake of the of the original play or the original? yeah, it, exactly. So. It's a little hard. What was your uh, definition for remake? You know, what were you trying to keep in mind when you were making your list? Well, like you said, it's a flexible um, definition that a lot of people have for remakes because, for example, the last one that uh, movie that we talked about, The Magnificent Seven, was technically a remake of a of a Japanese film, a Kurosawa film, The Seven Samurai. Mm-hmm. But that's been remade, you know, several different times in a different iteration. Uh, Kurosawa also had another movie. My favorite of Kurosawa's is Yojimbo, which was remade as a Fistful of Daughter, uh, Fistful of Daughters. <laughs> Whew, that's that's the world's worst thing to probably have, unless you have a lot of daughters out there. Maybe that's a good thing. But a fistful really of small. Them, did you hear about the woman that was choking her twins, and the cops had to stop them, and he put her in a chokehold? the The headline was "Women Chokes Twins and Gets Thrown in Jail." So what is the immediate thing that you think of? I have no idea. Well, did she do them one at a time? That's what I was thinking. Oh, or was it the double head lock? Apparently she was like choking her twins out. Huh. A fistful of daughters. 
So they, they were but, twin daughters. But Yo Jimbo is uh, a, <laughs> sorry was remade into Fistful of Dollars and The Last Man Standing. That was a remake of uh, the Bruce Willis film with Christopher yeah. Walken. Yeah, I like the Christopher Walken performance in that. So, um, I kind of tried to veer away from remaking foreign movies as American movies, though. Oh, okay. I kind of went back through and and these are these are some of them are decent movies. A couple of them are horrible. One's overrated. And I just kind of went through the different decades and tried to determine which of these movies I would like to see remade and for what reason. And sometimes the the, the, the reasons why vary. But what about you? How did you come up with your list? Uh, generally, I tried to look at movies that were good, but they should have been so much better. And then uh, the other thought is, who are some actors who would just be perfect to, you know, do this role, you know? If only they had been offered this film. Oh, know. so you mean contemporary with the time or if they could be offered? Like, yeah, like if, if someone had just come up with this movie idea and offered it to him, like this actor or actress could have nailed it. Because I, I tried to stay away from stunt casting uh, on the Magnificent Seven show. I talked about the Sons of Katie Elder, how I would have all the former Batmans play the Sons yeah. of Katie Elder. And if you were going to keep going with stunt casting, I'd probably have all the villains played by James Bond actors. So Pierce Brosnan, Daniel Craig, Sean Connery. So you bring him out of retirement. You say you, you stayed away from that. <coughs> yeah. Yeah, that's a good thing. But, you know, I kind of, I kind of like it. George you, Lazenby, he you, deserves some more screen time. Yeah, that guy. His three and a half movies. You didn't, but you didn't pluck got uh like an all-star team from a different era and try to plug them in no, so. no i i kept so these are all current actors yeah. and, and that was you know one of the real sad bits was oh this person would would be great but only if i could have gotten them from 15 years ago uh and one of them i wanted to keep the same actor but now he's gotten a little too old to play that character okay so that's right. pretty much mine. You want to give your number five? Yeah, my number five is actually a movie I really loved. And it's the latest movie, or the, I don't know, it was in 2001. And it is a foreign movie, <laughs> even though I tried to say I kept away from it. <laughs> I forgot that this was a foreign movie. It's a French movie. It's the best-selling French movie of all time. And uh, it's called The Brotherhood of the Wolf. You heard of it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's an awesome movie. It stars uh, Mark Descasos, who is the, he is the chairman of the Iron Chef. <laughs> and uh, also had Monica Bellucci in it. Anyway, uh, oh, I also picked out directors I would like to see directing these. So uh, that that might have been one of the ways that I actually kind of looked backwards at this, and I thought, who would be the best guy to to direct this film? Like, I started with my f- top five directors or six directors in the case of one of these. So I thought that if I, if Tarantino could take this movie and recast it and put it out there as an American movie instead of with French subtitles, and make it PG-13. All of these I want to be PG-13, but hard PG-13 with a lot of violence. Hard. And no sex. Okay. So that I could show them in my film class. <laughs> Brotherhood of the Wolf would be my pick. And for the uh, the the role played by Mark Descasos, or Daka Casos, I would have Yan Yan Ruan from uh, the, the Raid movies as Mad Dog. Because he's a um, an Asian character. I think Japanese or Chinese, I don't know which one, who is the... Uh, Indonesian, maybe? No, I, I think... Because uh, the raid's Indonesian. No, 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 no. I'm saying that the character okay. um, played by Mark Dachatoth is a uh, an Asian person who is friends with the lead actors, these French actors, and I can't pronounce any of their names. There are two French actors who play uh, 
these sort of like martial artists who have to fight this beast in the woods. And they're the, among the Brotherhood of the Wolves. And the guys that I would cast to play those parts, because I don't can't pronounce the French names, but I know the guys I would cast, would be uh, Tom Hardy and Jason Statham. My two favorite uh, uh, action hero karate guys. Okay. To be in the Brotherhood of the Wolf. Well, maybe Tom Hardy might not be a karate guy, but I couldn't think of another white American karate guy that would fit. Okay. That, that's fine to cast Tom Hardy as your American karate guy. Those yeah, British actors have some range. Tom Hardy plays a lot of American characters. Isn't Jason Statham British too? Yeah. Okay, just checking. <laughs> I want it to be set in America. <laughs> and updated for... Uh, no, it would still be set in the 1800s. Or 1600s or the 1500s, whatever that movie was. Right. I really um, love the movie. I haven't seen it in 16 years. But it's one of my favorite movies. Uh, so anyway, there you go. Tarantino directing Brotherhood of the Wolf. What's your number five there, Mr. Bolt? I think my number five has to be Masters of the Universe, the He-Man film from the big 80s. Big disappointment. It, it was a big disappointment, but I didn't realize it was a big disappointment until years later. Because I probably saw it when I was four. Yeah. Dolph Lundgren plays He-Man, and you know, it just seems so cool because I love the cartoon. And it, it, it is a classic 80s action film from Canon Films. It was one of the films that helped bankrupt the company and put them out of business forever. So I would like to see it get remade. We've been going back and remaking a lot of stuff from the 80s. We just had MacGyver come back on TV. They made an A-Team movie a couple years ago. It's time for He-Man to come back. And... I really think the only place you're going to find a larger-than-life character to play the muscular, blonde He-Man has to be inside the squared circle. So I would pick Mr. John Cena <laughs> to play He-Man. I think it would be oh, awesome. God. And C-Nation would stand up and go to the theaters and watch this all together. Is he blonde? Yeah, he's blonde. <laughs> you would give him a wig. He'd have to, yeah, grow out his hair. Okay. But I think he could have some nice wavy lots and be a very nice He-Man. All right, who's Skeletor? I don't know. You'd have to get some other pro wrestler to be Skeletor. <sighs> Maybe right. bring back The Undertaker out of retirement. Fair enough. <laughs> but I, I, I do think Masters of the Universe is destined to be remade. Would like, you call it if I had to pick an 80s property that's going to be remade in the next, say, five years, I think Masters of the Universe is a pretty good pick. All right. Fair enough. So I'm just telling Hollywood, get on it. Go go to the WWE. Sign <laughs> up as Masters many wrestlers. of the Universe in the cultural zeitgeist as much as Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles or even like the Power Rangers? I mean, it's from that same era, but it's Oh, like no, it's it's from of... 10 years before those. Oh, okay. yeah. I, I feel like those are more 90s properties. He-Man was definitely like mid-80s. 85 so you, through maybe 87 was the heyday re- of He-Man. You want a remake of the adaptation of the cartoon of He-Man. Or should it go back to the original source Yeah, material? and remember, the cartoon's just an adaptation of the toy line. They came out with the toys, and they're like, how do we sell these to kids? Let's make a cartoon, and then when the cartoon goes to commercial, we can have commercials for the toys okay. and just make a ton of dollars. So yeah, uh, Masters of the Universe is my number five. Your awesome. number four? My number four is among the worst movie-going experiences I ever had in my life. And it was when the initial movie-going experience, you wouldn't have known of this. You wouldn't have known of mine, uh, the, the horrible time I had with this movie. And that's why I want to see it remade. It's lauded and applauded as one of the best movies of all time. It's actually one of the best Australian movies of all time. So, so much for my idea of not remaking 
foreign films. Priscilla, they, Queen of the Desert? Picnic at Hanging Rock. Picnic at Hanging Rock is an art film. It's one of the first art films of the 70s that has gotten mainstream uh, critical acclaim. And uh, I hated it. I hated every minute of it. It was the it was they filmed half of the movie in order to achieve this great look that they have. Uh, they 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 put a um, uh, stocking over the top of the of the lens so that they could get this filter that hadn't existed before. Uh, Jackie Weaver was in the original. She played one of these schoolgirls. So it's based on a novel called Picnic and Hanging Rock about these. Uh, six, seven, eight schoolgirls that go out to Hanging Rock and they disappear along with their teacher. A lot of people at the time thought that it was a true story and like Fargo, it's sort of presented that way, but there is no real evidence that this thing ever existed. However, I think if they recast it and had a brand new director and updated it for today's uh, audiences, Mm -hmm. I think it could be a compelling story. And instead of having... Teenage Jackie Weaver. I would include all of my favorite young actresses <laughs> to be these students. Uh, Haley Steinfeld, Maisie Williams. Well, you know Steinfeld from uh, the True Grit, and then pretty much every other movie that no one's ever seen. Like she was in one good movie, and uh, she was in Barely Lethal. Everybody knows who Haley Steinfeld uh, is because she almost won the Oscar that year. She's going to be in, I think, the Age of Seventeen or the yeah. Edge of Seventeen yeah, yeah. later this year. Yeah. Uh, Maisie Williams was from, uh, the, the, uh, the, not Game of Thrones. Yeah, Game of Thrones. I was going to say Lord of the Rings. She's in Game of Thrones and Elle Fanning. As the school teacher, I would have, uh, Hillary Swank because I kind of like her and I haven't seen her in a lot of good movies recently. Um, and as the creepy, the weird, creepy carriage driver that becomes a, one of the suspects in the movie, I'd have creepy Ezra Miller. From I think you know him from Flash, but I know him best from uh, We Need to Talk About Kevin. He he's playing the Flash in the new uh, Justice League film. Yeah, and he's shown up in a couple of the. Yeah, he uh, he doesn't play the TV show Flash. Wasn't he in the Suicide Squad thing? And also he, he uh, briefly he has a cameo. Yes, and in Batman and uh, Super, Superman. Yeah, he, he briefly has a second cameo. Yeah, he's creepy. I think he's creepy from uh, We Need to Talk About Kevin, which is another great movie. So he, w- he would be a pretty good, uh, weird, creepy, kind of scary, goofy carriage driver guy. To direct it, I would have Inurita and have it be, you know, those long shots around a big rock with these kids disappearing. I love it when kids disappear. <laughs> so the Picnic at Hanging Rock. Interesting. My number four pick. Um. Yeah, I saw you scrolling down some notes there, like you didn't. I, I have never heard of Pitnick at Hanging Rock. I will have to catch up with All it. Right, fair enough. Hopefully, in time for your remake. Uh, my number four pick is uh, Death Wish. Okay, the, another remake of a remake. Death Wish is a remake of what? In the Death Wish two thousand, didn't they come out with Death Wish two thousand? Death right, Race two thousand is this <laughs> Sylvester Stallone film, and they did remake that with Jason Statham. I thought that, but Death, Death Wish, Wish right, is Charles with Charles Bronson, right? where uh, his wife is brutally murdered. I think his daughter gets raped, and then she later on commits suicide. I think that's in the second film. Spoiler alert. Uh, yeah. I mean, though well, it's in the first uh, ten minutes. So, uh, there you go, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> it's, well, that's, if it's in the first ten minutes. Um, right. But Charles Bronson plays a man who's trying to clean up his community in the films and goes and shoots a lot of bad guys. And 
I always thought they were a lot of fun growing up. And Charles Bronson is the aged action star when he was in them, but he still was believable. So I would like to see them cast Mel Gibson in the Charles Bronson role. All right. Uh, we watched Bloodfather a couple weeks ago, and we both really enjoyed seeing Mel Gibson back on the screen. And even though he's a man in his 60s, he still has a certain physicality to him. It was fun seeing him do some of the action scenes. So I think the Death Wish film would be a wonderful vehicle for him to star in. And I would get the director, Paul Verhoeven, best known for doing Basic Instinct. <laughs> Is he and, still alive? Uh, yeah, Total Recall. All right. Uh, Starship Troopers. I think he's a wonderful action director. And his movies always have wonderful social commentary. So I'd love to see how he updates that late 70s, early 80s. We need to clean up the streets of crime and corruption. Right. And see how he updates that for a uh, modern society. So he'd have a Black Lives Matter subplot? or a Blue I, I don't know where he would go, but uh, I love Paul Verhoeven. And the Verhoeven? interesting thing is Verhoeven has like eight films that had sequels. He didn't direct any of them. Yeah, I was going to So it would be interesting to see him do something that is a reboot, or a reboot, remake, whatever you want to call it. Huh. Since he yeah. normally likes original properties. So. So Death Wish. Right. So. Excellent. That was your number four. Yeah, yeah. So we're already half, almost halfway through this thing yet, and uh, you've had two movies that you liked. I've had one movie that I liked, one movie that I wasn't so impressed with, one movie that I actually hated. This movie, my number three pick, I think is one of the most overrated movies of all time. So I want to see it remade and recast and redone to be a uh, awesome movie. And you might disagree with me on this, but 1987's Fatal Attraction. It's not that great of a movie. Uh, originally starring Michael Douglas as Dan Gallagher and Ann Archer as his wife, Beth. Uh, Alex Forrest was played... What? Uh, I don't understand how we're going to make this into a PG-13 film. A lot of the violence, none of the sex. <laughs> All right. Uh, I would. What I would do is... Well, see, the original conclusion of this movie didn't test well. Mm-hmm. Uh, apparently, they went back and reshot it and added in the whole ending se- sequence where uh, Alex Forrest, originally played by, oh, I can't remember her name, and I didn't write it down. I thought, holy crap. Glenn this Close? Is yeah. Okay. I think it's Glenn Close. Yes, it's a- absolutely Glenn Close. <laughs> originally, see, she was horrible in the movie, and so I want to recast her, so I didn't even write it down. But uh, she in the original movie, before they reshot it, she just went off screen and I think she just sort of had some sort of weird suicide. Uh, and then they only reference it and they went back and reshot it for this stupid back, this stupid sequence that takes place in the bathroom. And, uh, I mean, it, it kind of ruins the movie. It undermines, it undermines the whole movie, but it made audiences crazy and they loved it. And they loved the whole idea of, uh, you know, Glenn Close's character coming back and whatever. And the, anyway, the way I would recast this is instead of having Michael Douglas... See, I'm trying not to spoil the movie. 1987's Fatal Attraction. Yeah, people haven't had time to catch up with it. Yeah, I mean, you might want to go out and see it and see why I think it's overrated. But, it's got uh, one of the great trope endings. I know, so you should go check it out. You shouldn't have it spoiled by me or you. Leonardo DiCaprio takes place of Dan Gallagher. What's wrong with Leonardo DiCaprio? He's no Michael Douglas. Look, I... <laughs> Natalie Portman should play his wife. And uh, as Alex For- uh, Forrest, I'd like to see Kiera Knightley. Because I think that um, 
Natalie Portman and Kara Knightley look a lot alike, so there could be some, be some doppelganger stuff going on with that. The perfect person to bring this to life. See, the images that I have in mind is Paul Thomas Anderson. He could create a pretty good movie remake of Fatal Attraction. I don't like the way that you're scoffing my picks here. I'm not. I'm not sure that uh, you know it rises to the standards of Masters of the Universe or anything. Yeah, or Death Wish. But uh, Fatal Attraction, man, 1987 wow. should be remade in 2016 with Leonardo DiCaprio, Natalie Portman, and Alex War- uh, uh, Kira Knightley. Wow, I'm just trying to think what a Paul Thomas Anderson version of Fatal Attraction would look like. Well, see, he needs to redeem himself, too, from the last movie I saw that was his. Yeah, he, after he's he made a, five classics before that. And uh, every single movie. Yeah, I just saw Boogie Nights the other night. Yeah. It was on, uh, I don't know, uh, HBO or Showtime or something. I'm, wow, this is just an awesome movie. And then he made that uh, crazy uh, incoherent, incoherent vice. <laughs> Or inherent vice. Inherent vice. Yeah, is his I last call it film, incoherent vice. Everything else was awesome, right? But he needs he needs to redeem himself. He struck out the last time he was at bat. Now he has, needs to hit a home run with Fatal Attraction. All right, fair enough. 2017. <laughs> All right, my number three is one of my favorite novels. I know you're a big fan of this novel, as is uh, Scott Lasky, uh, sometimes guest host on the show. I'm talking about East of Eden by John Steinbeck. Uh, we all love the novel and inherently it's going to be difficult to make into a proper film because the book's about eight nine hundred pages might be better off as a mini series but i want one long movie and i'm willing to sit in a theater for eight hours if that's what it takes oh, for wow. them to remake it russian uh, arc yeah uh they made the film back in the 50s and it's just like the last quarter of the story, if that. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, and it, it, it's all right. It's not great. It's one of James Dean's... Four films. Yeah. yeah. I mean... So, I mean, you watch it for James Dean, but it's not great. I would love to see them go back and make it. And uh, I forget the lady who plays Kathy in the film. She's all right. I want to see a really good Kathy, because arguably, she is one of the great villains of all time. Yeah, it's, it's the woman that plays the... Uh, Oh, she's the, the mother in uh, Cool Hand Luke. Okay. And, I, uh, I don't remember her name, but I would like to see Alicia Vikander play Kathy. Alicia Vikander uh, got a lot of buzz when she played the cyborg robot in Ex Machina. Yeah, I love and that. And she movie. had this cold, it. calculating portrayal. I wasn't huge on the movie. I thought she was very good in that role. And from that, I think she could play Kathy really, really well. There is some talk. Supposedly, they're going to be remaking East of Eden here soon. And they're going to get um, J-Law to do it. Yeah, I heard it attached to her. And then it surprised me that you were going to go in that route. Because we want these things to be produced. Right? Yeah, but Jennifer Lawrence was attached to this like two years ago. And I haven't heard anything more on it. And inherently, it's a difficult property to do right. Uh, you know, unless HBO wants to do it as a mini series, I, I don't see this ever being properly brought to the big screen. But if someone was willing to do an eight-hour version, I think you go and cast Alicia Vikander, and you got some magic there. Yeah, I think you could do even more than that. I think you could have a, a much longer show than uh, even eight hours. You could do a whole. I mean, you you could literally do uh, two or three 
um, series episodes, like True Detective kind of thing with it, I think. Oh, like whole season runs. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because there's so much, even underneath, like there's stories within stories. Sure. Joanne Fleet. Joanne Fleet is the actress who played in the, like, 52 version of East of Eden? 52, 53? Yeah. And uh, I just saw her in um, Tombstone. Not Tombstone. The movie that Tombstone was based on, which is actually based on another story. Uh, Gunshot at at the OK Corral. Shootout. Gunfight at the OK Corral. Or shootout at the OK Corral. I think it's Gunfight at the OK Corral. I mean, they've done that bunch. Yeah. uh, Yeah. Yeah, so. so that's my number three. What's your number two? Well, I'm not going to scoff yours, Mr. Uh, Mr. Bull. Like you did you this morning. I did? Yeah. Yeah, but I'm, I'm more respectful on the show. I'm like you. All right, this is 1960, 1966's movie, which is a little bit of a letdown because I'd heard a lot about it, and uh, apparently it's a well-respected movie, but I liked it. It's one of the last performances of Marlon Brando that before he became like Marlon Giant Brando. Yeah, extra extra large, uh, and it had Robert Redford in it and Jane Fonda, and it was a movie about uh, a guy who escapes from prison. The prisoner who escaped was played by Robert Redford, and uh, he's Charlie Bubber Reeves. Marlon Brando plays the sheriff, Sheriff Caleb, that chases after him, and I think Jane Fonda is his wife in the movie. Uh, the movie is 1966's The Chase, which is a uh, like I said, a little bit of a letdown because I'm a big fan of Marlon Brando and I loved Robert Redford. And this is right around the same time as um, the the movies with Robert Redford that everyone knows and likes, The Sting, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. And he's got that likability factor that um, makes him such a wonderful actor for the time. And Marlon Brando had that sense of gravitas and all, but I think it was too mired in, uh, I don't know, the social justice movement. And it wasn't like a pure chase movie like I'd kind of want to see with the name the, t- the Chase in the title. So I'd like to remake it and recast it and have it be more chasey, like a prison escape movie. And uh, in place of Marlon Brando's Sheriff Caleb, I'd like to see George Clooney. And in place of Robert Redford, I'd like to see Ryan Gosling. I haven't had enough Ryan Gosling in my life. <laughs> Looking forward to seeing him in La La Land. And then... The aforementioned Jennifer Lawrence could play his wife, uh, Amanda, as played by uh, Jane Fonda in the original 1966 movie. The director I would choose for this is Christopher Nolan, because I think that he could make it a period piece, use some of those, uh, like he used in Memento, uh, and some of the action, like he's one of the best action directors from The Dark Knight and all that. like to see him bring it. I I would still like it to be set in 1966, though. And have all those people go back in time, you know, and the production values associated with that could make it an an astonishing and stellar movie. And I'm pleased to see that I, that I you didn't um, scoff my pick. No, I think it's fine. So, did you see the original Chase? Nope. Another film for me to go watch. <laughs> well, there you go. All right. I, no, I, I like it. Uh, my, so now, number, yeah, number two. my number two is arguably one of the movies that I was most defeated by after watching it. I was so let down because I'm such a huge fan of Clive Cussler and uh, his novel series starring Dirk Pitt, who's this like action adventure. It's kind of like James Bond without Ah, the gadgets. Uh, Back in 2005, Sahara came out and that's my favorite novel out of the like 20 plus Dirk Pitt novels. Mm -hmm. Uh, hugely let down. I love that they cast Matthew McConaughey as Dirk Pitt. I thought he was really good. 
But then for the Italian bodybuilder, they picked Steve Zahn. Yeah, but he an was Irish a, guy. I mean, he was bad maybe as an adaptation, but he was good in the movie. Yeah, he was all right. He didn't really capture Al from okay. the novel. And the movie is just horrible. They cut out all the parts that make the novel so great. I mean, they rewrote almost the entire plot. Isn't it a weird plot, though, in the movie at least, with like a train or something in the desert? Oh, uh, yeah, like they a, find a ship with Abraham Lincoln in it in the middle of the <laughs> desert. Well, th- that was always a conceit of Clive Kessler's novels. At the beginning, he told you some historical tale. That was slightly changed, so what you thought you knew about history was wrong, and then that would get involved later on in the story. Okay. So supposedly the Confederates kidnap Abraham Lincoln in the closing days of the Civil War, so then the Union is forced to fake Lincoln's death. Okay. So like National Treasure kind of thing? Yeah, kind of. Yeah. So I think uh, they're capitalizing on that National yeah. Treasure. So I would like to see Sahara remade instead of Matthew McConaughey, because he's starting to get a little old, and I want many, many... Dirk Pitt films, I would cast Thomas Mann. We know him from Me and Earl and The Dying Girl. I I, I think he has a certain likability. Action movie star there. He's me from me. Okay, fine. But I I think he's kind of a goof. I could see him as someone who goes out to sea for a long time. I don't really know the character Dirk Pitt very well. I I assume he's more of an action hero. I like Thomas Mann. He's 25 years old, so he's got many more years of acting in him. I'm trying to think where we just saw him recently. We just saw him recently. Me and Earl and the Dying Girl. That's <laughs> Sorry, where that I is saw him. <laughs> um, I would pick for Al Gordino, uh, the actor Moises Aurelius. He played bon- or Bonzo Madrid in Ender's Game. He was also in uh, Kings of Summer, which was a great little indie film. Wait, wasn't he the little midget? Yeah, but you need a short guy who oh, can play Italian. I thought no, Al Gordini, he's a bodybuilder, but he's only five foot two. Oh, this guy's only five foot one, I so I think it would work. Plus, Thomas Mann, he's tall, but he's not super tall, so it would still work. I mean, there's enough there. And to play their boss, Admiral Jim Sandecker, I would bring back William H. Macy, who played him in the original film. <laughs> But who was a bit young at the time to be playing Sandecker, I'd bring him back now. All right. So I would love to see Sahara get done. I would love to see a whole bunch of um, movies with Dirk Pitt, but I doubt it'll ever be done. Now, wasn't uh, Rene Lopez or some Lopez or something? Penelope Cruz was in the, fi- <laughs> in the original film. Yeah, who would you Yeah, there's guess? always some beautiful girl, kind of like a Bond girl. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't think Penelope Cruz lined up with the description of the girl in the original Sahara, so I'd have to go back and look. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'd love to see it. They're not going to do it. Clive Cussler sued Hollywood over the film, lost a huge lawsuit. Basically, he's just persona non grata now. So they're not going to make the any Coast. of his movies at all? No one wants to deal with the guy, apparently, in Hollywood. So, I mean, we're going to have to wait for him to die and for his like kids to sell off the property. So... At best, we're looking at 10 years. Oh, wow. Yeah. And uh, they made another Clive Kessler f- uh, book into a movie, uh, Raise the Titanic, back in the 80s, in that bomb, too. So probably yeah, won't see anything that. out of him. So. so Aza Butterfield would be, in 10 years, he would be the guy to pick. Or I mean, he might even be too old to then. Yeah, if he gets a little tall, he, he might not be bad. Um, I could see him. Bloodfather. Thomas Mann was in Bloodfather. He was the hotel clerk that uh, that's right. She she uh, 
his his daughter, the blood father's daughter, has like a little fling. Like yeah, the Mel Gibson movie. Not a fling, flirtation, yeah. I suppose. So. All right, so now we're down to our number ones. You our think we are ones. in agreement? No. I don't either. I don't think I have any, based on what you're talking about. Yeah, everything I think you picked is an action sort of movie. And I, I don't know what your number one pick East is. East of Eden. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. Fair enough. I've got rage. No, that's fine. That's fine. Yeah. This is a movie that I wanted. I want to show students now, but I'm not sure that they'd be able to take it from. This is a 1945 movie, and the uh, the cinematography is not wonderful. And I, I haven't been able to find a really good print. There's, it's online. I have it on our web, on our webpage, the MHS uh, Lytton Film YouTube channel. It, it's dubbed in French or whatever. I don't know. If there's a copyright restriction on it or something, but. It's not a great print. I can't find a good copy of it. It's a compelling story, although there's some convoluted subplot that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But I love the movie Scarlet Street. A film noir starring e. Edward G. Robinson, Dan Durier, and Joan Bennett. And it's a perfect example of film noir. Uh, to resurrect this, I would like to see the Coens take on film noir again. And pick up Scarlet Street, recast it, and uh, put it out there as a PG-13 movie that I can show to my Litton film class. I would choose... Uh, I think Joan Bennett is easy to, to find an actress to, to replace her. Because, I mean, I think Scarlett Johansson has that sort of heft, and she's attractive, and she could play a perfect femme fatale. You could see someone really falling for her. The Dan Duryea character was a little bit... Uh, more difficult to cast, but you need someone that's likable, but also sort of a pimpy kind of guy. And the last guy that I saw play this role was um, Joaquin Phoenix. So I thought he would fit there. There's something a little bit flawed about him, but he's also sort of... You know, there's something interesting about that guy. Then to play Edward G. Robinson, there's not many characters that... They, there's not that many actors out there that fit that kind of mold. Kind of uh, not so great looking, older. He has to be a nebbishy sort of character to be um, to be roped into this relationship with uh, Scarlett Johansson. The perfect guy I could see playing that role right now, Steve Buscemi. He could be awesome in that role as uh, uh, Edward G. Robinson's character in Scarlet Street, Criss Cross. Uh, so I'm looking forward to ha- possibly seeing, uh, if, if anything else, another awesome film noir. And film noir is not, I mean, there are a lot of good film noir now, but I just can't show them in Litton Film. So I want Scarlet Street recast as a PG-13 movie. I still want it set in the 50s, though, you know, the 40s and 50s. still want it having that appeal. The Coens are perfect with that kind of thing, as uh, they did with, um, oh, not the man who knew too little. Or, the, they, they did a... They, a movie with Billy Bob Thornton. Yeah. yeah, it's the man something. I don't remember. Uh, the, the man of... La Mancha. Uh, it wasn't Blood Simple also a little film noir-ish? Yeah, I think they said Blood. they call Blood Simple a uh, remake also. Yeah, that, that Yojimbo. was first film. So. I've seen that listed as a remake of Yojimbo. All right. Uh, I like that as number one. Uh, my number one... <laughs> no, I think it's fine. It works. I, I've seen bits of Scarlet Street. I've seen it mentioned in film noir documentaries. It's a good movie. Yeah. Um, my... Number one pick is an excellent movie that most people would roll their eyes at ever having to remake it because it's one of the few films that's ever won the big five at the Academy Awards. It's won for Best Picture, Best Director, Screenplay, Best Actor, and Best Actress. Gravity? 
I think they need to go back and redo it. I'm talking about Silence of the Lambs. I think they need to redo it. I, was I actually a... considered that, Mr. Mr. Bull. You'd be surprised. Oh, okay. I was a huge fan, and still am, of the TV show Hannibal, which uh, basically has told the whole mythology of the Hannibal Lecter character. Mm-hmm. Uh, they went, they did the uh, first novel in the series, Red Dragon. They also did Hannibal. So they've They've done everything but Silence of the Lambs. Supposedly, they were going to tell that story in season four of the show, but the show got canceled. So I would bring back the whole cast, uh, Mads Mikkelsen as Hannibal Lecter, Hugh Dancy um, as the William Peterson character who just dropped from my mind. Uh, I'd bring back Lawrence Fishburne, all these people, Gillian Anderson. Uh, you would have to cast someone as the new murderer, Wild Bill. I would have Michael Shannon as that because that dude's pretty scary. You want and to then, see him in a dress? Yeah, I just I, I think he could do it. Uh, he was a really good killer and the Iceman. He mm. definitely feels evil. He scared the crud out of me. Yeah. So then you have the Clarice Starling character played famously by Jodie Foster. Really a career making performance for her. So I thought long and hard, and there are a lot of talented young actresses in Hollywood. The one I think could do it, and she, and she's always kind of done comedies and more lighter, fair movies. I would pick Emma Stone to be Clarice Starling. Okay. I think she could do a really nice job, and I'd like to see her going up against Mads Mikkelsen's Hannibal Lecter. Uh, while I, you know, really like the original Silence of the Lambs, I've always thought Anthony Hopkins is overrated as Hannibal Lecter. He's my third favorite Lecter. <laughs> Wow. After Brian Cotts and then Mads Mikkelsen, I think, has just knocked it out of the park. I mean, it also helps that he got to do 39 episodes playing that character. So he just had so much wow. longer to develop him. It's a huge investment <laughs> time to, to go back and watch all that. Han- Hannibal? Yeah. yeah oh, you'll yeah, love, yeah, you love yeah, you no. liked Mads Mikkelsen in The I Salvation when we reviewed that documentary last year. Yeah, he was great in The Hunt, and he's going to be in Rogue One upcoming. Yeah, so everyone makes a mistake. <laughs> But he's a really talented. I just actor. don't know if I want to invest that amount of time. But that's fine. But yeah, you don't have to. That yeah. So uh, hopefully right. one day they do Silence of the Lambs. So that's wow. my list. Well, hopefully one of these will happen for you, or maybe all of them, Mister Two Frames. <laughs> Was I there would... anything you considered that didn't make the list? Yeah, actually, my favorite remake, one of the most effective remakes of all time, was uh, The Champ. Zeffirelli's 1979 film with John Voight was a remake of uh, Wallace Berry's Oscar-winning performance, The Champ from 1931. Uh, that movie by Zeffirelli, The Champ, is about an aging boxing star. It's it's the it's the most effective tearjerker that's out there for men and women alike, I suppose. With uh, Ricky Schroeder, yeah, Ricky Schroeder plays his uh, he is. This boxer, uh, there's a scene at the end that they actually used, and I heard it in a podcast recently, I think, How to Do Everything. They were talking about how um, apparently that to protect against aggression, people cry, and there's a chemical compound in tears that lowers the degree of or the level of testosterone in someone watching it, just being around it, or, you know, smelling this odorless... uh, these or exposure to tears radically lowers or reduces levels of testosterone by up to like 20% in people. Hmm. And uh, 
to collect tears from people to do this study at the Weitzman Institute of Science, they showed that last scene from the champ to uh, collect tears from men and women alike. Because they, they found in the initial studies that they were only getting tears from women and only one guy signed up to go watch or to go uh, give his tears of, of sorrow. It couldn't be like tears created by pain or something mm-hmm. like that. It has to be tears of sorrow. So, uh, yeah, considered, you know, the champ. The yeah. champ is one. Of I, I've thought about showing it to my students. I think or, there's, there's a lot of long in between there, but uh, yeah. it's probably next to Deliverance, John Boyd's best performance. I like it. Uh, Deliverance. Now, there's a movie that they could remake and update. <laughs> that would be pretty good. But you probably want to make that R for the violence. Probably, yeah. yeah. Uh, um, what about you? Uh, the movie that I'd love to see get remade is Ender's Game. Love the novel. When we left the theater, we both agreed we're ready for the remake. But that really needs to be as a mini series, something like HBO takes up and does. Yeah, probably. You, know, you, you could get a couple seasons out of that. That could be their next Game of Thrones after they get done. Yeah, a lot of the a lot of movies that are based on books seem to. There's so much density in those books mm-hmm. that it it would pay to have it on Netflix or Amazon Prime or HBO or whatever. And I think we're going to see a lot more of that, especially with the, uh, you know, the popularity of those kinds of shows, Game of Thrones, um, you know, uh, the adaptation they're having of Westworld. That's going to be p- kind of popular. And I, I like that. You have to you know, slow burn, you know, up to a slow burn. Series. And there's so much world to build up. It was just, it was too dense of a novel to, pack into a two-hour movie even though i liked all the people involved in it and i thought they did a nice job and yeah. i've cast some of them in other films <laughs> you yeah. so uh worst remake of all time worst remake uh footloose oh well that's because you love the original footloose yes yes actually the worst remake of all time was also one of the best remakes of all time 1982's the thing was a remake of 1952's the thing Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. And then one came out in 2015. I actually walked out of the theater. That's not a remake. That's a prequel. Oh, well, they call it The Thing, though. I yeah, didn't but, watch enough of the movie to but, find but out if it was a, a prequel or not. Yeah. I left the movie there. It was so bad, and I left the movie theater. Don't mean to crap on anybody's movie, because I know a lot of people make a lot of effort into making a good movie, but this one just did not work for me, and I, I wound up leaving. I thought, huh, that's odd. It's a remake of a remake, but you're saying it's a prequel of a remake, so... Maybe all of my criticisms should just run aside. Oh, favorite remake, though? Bar none, Cape Fear. That was one of the ones I uh, yeah. messaged to Mr. John Anderson. Oh, yeah. Cape so. Fear. All right. All right. Um, looking forward to the next show, uh, doing a preview of all the movies coming out for War this weekend, the yeah. October 7th weekend. We haven't really decided what we're going to do for uh, the next big We Laugh show. It's not a, it's not a, uh, the best la- laugh show that's not a We Laugh. Do you have any in mind that you might want to tease out? Or Oh, yeah. I, I definitely have a film we're going to be previewing that I'm excited to go see in theaters before uh, the hurricane comes blowing through. Middle school, the worst years of the life? <laughs> no. Right. No. Something else. So, yeah, we'll have to debate that on the show. Another bad remake, which you won't agree with, and that's why I picked it. Bad News Bears. I love that remake. The quote comes from... this today. Today's quote comes from the original Bad News Bears. Coach Morris Buttermaker says, Listen, Lupus, you didn't come into this life just to sit around on the dugout bench, did you? Now get your ass out there and do the best you can. <laughs> Mr. Bull over there. It's been a pleasure. Mr. Lusk. Bye, everybody. There be dragons.
Are you going to the movies this weekend? Let Laugh know what you saw. Send in your review by emailing the show at thelaughpodcast at gmail.com, tweeting at the Laugh Podcast, or messaging us on facebook.com backslash the Laugh Podcast. The best comments will get read on a future show. Can I say yes? You just did.